to another titillating episode of Scissors and Scrubs mm-hmm. on this cold, frigid fall night. It is cool. It's raw, 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 raw. <laughs> so we're taking a little turn. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know how many other vets we could possibly cover. So we went with some old school nursing. Yes. Like this is nursing 101. This is nursing before they were nurses. Right. Yeah. Clearly. Yes. Because I was kind of shocked that neither one of these ladies was actually nurses and they've been like pillars of the nursing community for yeah. my entire, you know, nursing 101. Like Clara Barton. There's a friggin' rest stop. Rest stop. I think there's a Dorothy, Dorothy and Dick's rest I think we went to the Dorothy yeah. and you got that big cinnamon bun. Yes. Cinnamon bun. Oh my God. It was so good. <laughs> yes. I remember that. It was mm-hmm. a great trip. So today we're going to talk about. Clara Barton and Dorothea Dix. Mm-hmm. And Clara Barton is perfect for Boston nurses to speak about because her name just emphasizes our accent yes. perfectly. Yeah, Clara Barton. I'm going to do really well. Oh, this. so that's why we gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, we're going old school nursing. And I am actually shocked that when I did this, she was way more interesting than she looks to be because she's very, very dowdy and frumpy and jowly. Plain and, Jane. Wow, is she a plain Jane? Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. we're going to kick... I have to say, I'm so excited tonight about these episodes we're doing. <laughs> and I'm so... I don't even know what to say. So like, happy. A, let's just say my life is a shit storm right now. <laughs> and recording night's my favorite night. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Brian's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm recording. I got, I'm so excited about our episodes. And I got, we're going to have sushi. And I'm drinking my beer. And I'm so excited. So, I'm excited about tonight. <laughs> so, let's take it away. Right. Sparkles with Clara Bond. Actually... It's Clarissa Harlow Barton. Harlow? Mm-hmm. Like a harlot? Kind of. These girls were sluts. <clears throat> she was born on Christmas Day, 1821, in Oxford, Massachusetts. Oh, mm-hmm. Dorothy is a Massachusetts girl, too. We're the best. We're yeah, just the best. You know, we just rule the world. Yep. Um, her first foray into nursing came when her oldest brother had a serious head injury, and she nursed him for two years. Two years? Two years. At home, no, like... She just took care of this. Her brother had like a, I mean, a serious head injury. Then I don't. She nursed Could him for imagine? two years. No. Um, Clara received a formal education and became a teacher at age, I guess, twelve, fifteen. She was fit, 15. a whole whopping fifteen. Well, she and Dorothy have a lot in common. No. I mean, my son. God help us all if he were a teacher at the, his age. I just okay. well, it's like what Nostradamus was a doctor at fifteen. Yeah. Oh Jesus, kids had their, but <laughs> they were on their game back in the day. <laughs> My kid can't fold his laundry, but these kids are doctors and friggin' teachers. Um, She founded a free school in New Jersey with 600 students enrolled. She left um, when the board replaced her as headmaster with a man. See? Of course. Gotta have a penis. Get your She started it. She founded it. Yeah, but she got everybody enrolled. But he can do it better. And then they gave it to her. Because he's got a penis. Yeah. Um, She then became a clerk at the U.S. Patent Office in Washington, D.C., she earned equal pay as her male co-workers, which is, like, Stunning. huge. Because yep. that still doesn't happen. She was quoted as saying, I may sometimes be willing to teach for nothing, but if paid at all, I shall never do a man's work for less than a man's pay. Good for her. Yeah. She Good was, like, her. way ahead of the game. She was the early RBG. Yeah. Um, Clara was working in D.C. on April 12th, 1861, when the Civil War began. Soldiers, soldiers of the 6th Massachusetts Infantry were attacked by Southern sympathizers and were taken to a makeshift hospital in the yet-to-be-completed Capitol building. Clara brought the soldiers food, clothing, and other necessities. Let's just say I can see why 
Dorothea was a little jelly because mm. their lives are parallel. Mm-hmm. So she just takes it upon herself. She's living mm-hmm. in D.C. working. She's like, I'm bringing them what they need, these poor guys from Massachusetts. Um, Clara started a campaign to get additional items from friends and the public. She spent hours with the soldiers, caring for them, writing letters for them, and providing comfort and kindness. Um, and she was nursing them back to health with no training, just like her compassion. Just her two years with her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1862, Clara decided the failed hospitals on the front line needed more help and supplies. She got permission to go to a battlefield hospital after the Battle of Cedar Mountain in Northern Virginia. She brought supplies and bandages and from then on traveled with the Union Army. Oh. This woman's not a nurse. No. She's just a clerk in the patent office, but just she just felt... Playing one on TV. Yeah. Just felt drawn to do this. And now she's going to all the front, the front field battles. I've never been drawn... To do anything like yeah. that in my life. Very compassionate woman. <laughs> um, on September 17th, 1862, Clara brought a wagon full of medical supplies to the Battle of... I'm not... I know I can't say this right. And I've looked up how to say it. And I'm like Antietam. Antietam. In, I can't say it. I think it's the Battle of Antietam. Okay. I, I can't be wrong, it. but I think that's I'm right. pretty Antietam. sure. And I've looked up how to say it and I still can't say it. Antietam. Um, she assisted the surgeons who prior to her arrival were trying to make bandages out of corn husks. Could you even? No. So she comes over with like this thing full of like gear and bandages and all this stuff. They're trying to make bandages from corn husks after this huge battle. She cooks for the soldiers. She tends to them all night while cannons and bullets are flying right by them. Like she doesn't care. She's out there. She's taking care of these guys. Um, the union. Honey badger don't give a shit. Yep. The Union Army surgeons loved her. Oh, yeah. They loved her. A doctor... She took away the corn husks and gave them real bandages. I know. <laughs> it was uh, itchy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can Could you imagine? imagine how itchy those would no. be? And I don't think they hold much blood. I'm not I'm sure. I don't think they do it anything. And probably not hygienic. No. Um, a Dr. Dunn said, A Dr. Dunn said, In my feeble estimation, General McClellan, with all his laurels, sinks into insignificance beside the true heroine of the age, the angel of the battlefield, when he was speaking of Clara Barton. I'm getting a little jelly. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. getting jelly for Dorothea. Mm-hmm. Um, Clara traveled with the Union to Petersburg, Fredericksburg, and Fort Wagner, South Carolina, where we went. Mm-hmm. Remember we went? Mm-hmm. Um, there she became sick and had to be sent back to D.C. Oh, when did she get sick with? It doesn't say. I'm not sure. Probably some battle sort of... fatigue. Yeah. Um, she still gathered and sent supplies, and once she was better, went back to the battlefield. So she went home, recouped, still sending supplies from her bed, and then she goes back. Clara also kept the personal information of the soldiers she cared for, and sometimes corresponded with the families of the wounded or dead soldiers. That's nice. So when she was talking to them and writing for them, she would keep all their information, and then she would correspond with the families afterward. To let them know what happened. To let them know. Um, she kept up the letter writing even after her return to D.C., in December of 1865, after her brother's death, um, President Lincoln selected Clara Ooh. to be general correspondent for the Friends of Paroled Prisoners. She was to find missing soldiers and to inform the families of their fate. She formed the Bureau of Records of Missing Men of the Armies of the United States. Very long title. Yes, she did. Um, she had 12 clerks and they looked into the fate of thousands of soldiers and responded to 63,000 letters. When she left her post in 1869, she reported to Congress that she and her clerks had identified 22,000 missing soldiers. Wow. Um, But she felt 40,000 more were still unknown. 
After she left her post, she traveled to Europe. While there, she heard of the International Red Cross in Geneva, Switzerland, that had been established um, during the Geneva Treaty, which laid out rules for the care of the sick and wounded during wartime. Like Also the Geneva Convention later. Yeah. Um, So Clara was still overseas in 1870 when the Franco-Prussian War began. So Clara put on a red ribbon in the shape of a red cross <laughs> and delivered supplies to the citizens in that war zone. And we have the red cross. <laughs> Just like that. Put on a ribbon. It's done. But she's over there. It's not even no, a, a U.S. Bossy. war. She, she's a little bossy. She might be. Um, she would go get her. Yeah, she is. Um, when Clara gets back home to the U.S., she campaigns for the U.S. to join the Geneva Treaty. Because we weren't part of the Geneva Treaty. We like to do our own thing. Kind of always. I know. We don't really join. We should not join. Join treaties, though. Yeah, we're not joiners. Um, President Chester A. Arthur signed the treaty in 1882, and Clara became the founder of the American Association of the Red Cross, now known as the American Red Cross. So she comes home and she's like, "Hi, With President." A little ribbon. Yeah. Hey, President Arthur, um, you should really join this because it's how you treat the sick and the wounded. Blah 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 blah. So he does. Um, as the head of the American Red Cross, Clara. Um, focused on disaster relief for victims of hurricanes, floods, and tidal waves. So she's used to doing all this war stuff, and then she's like, you know who needs help? All these people from natural disasters. Um, She sent supplies overseas to war and famine victims. She helped pass the American Amendment to the Geneva Treaty in 1884 that expanded the role of the Red Cross internationally to assisting victims of natural disasters. So the Red Cross overseas also only focused on victims of war. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when she got involved, she got them involved in, like, natural disasters, like yeah. helping relief from Hurricanes, natural- tornadoes, yeah. like they do today. Yep. She was known to be a workaholic, obviously, and was um, an authorita- authoritative yep. leader. Um, she was she would bit- have to be with all the shit she did. Oh, yeah. She, and you, who, who's telling her no? Like, yeah. she's... <laughs> Um, she was eventually no, no there's no I don't have a pocket full of shit with your name on it yeah but because she was so authoritative she was eventually forced from her role oh, in 1904 seemed to have done to a lot of the women yeah. who were too bossy mm-hmm. but Clara can't help but be but but help she just has to help so in 1905 she established the National First Aid Association of America uh-huh. they made first aid kits and worked with police and fire to create ambulance brigades so she helped form ambulance brigade. Like, she's just, she can't stop. She's very busy. Yeah. Clara served on 16 battlefields during the Civil War. Wow. She earned the respect of presidents, generals, and surgeons because of her um, tireless work. She pretty much changed the perception of women being too weak to help in battle. Like, up till, up before her, they were like, oh, they can't I be there. she's taken a little too much credit for that. I'm just... When I get to mine, I think she's taking a little right, too much well, of the, the spotlight. She well, needs to share that. We'll see. We'll see. Just saying. She brought attention to the need of disaster relief, streamlined first aid, emergency preparedness, and response procedures. She believed in equal rights and helped everyone no matter their race, gender, religion, or stat- stature in life. Clara Barton was a woman way ahead of her time. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Um, and that's Clara Barton. Clara. I think she's pretty badass. She is pretty badass. And I love I, that she was like, yeah, I'm not working. I'll work for free, but I'm not working for less than a right. man. And I think yeah. that's, I mean, when you think of how women, I would just said to my daughter the other day, they said something about suffragettes on TV. I'm like, do you know what a suffragette is? She's like, no. I'm like, you realize women couldn't vote until 1920 mm-hmm. and how sad that was. We were shit. Mm-hmm. 
and he's still fighting. Today he's still fighting. But my son will said something. He's like, well, because something about nurse. I'm like, well, you should become a nurse. Like that, you make good money. I said, actually, you'll make more money than I will. Because you're a man. He's like, why? I'm like, because you're a guy. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, women make like 88 cents to the dollar of every. And he's like, what? I'm like, I know. He's like, why? And because like, most of the men in nursing are managing, aren't taking care of children at home. Most mm-hmm. female nurses have families at home. The men take positions that women just can't the mm-hmm. five days a week. The, so most of them become managers. Mm-hmm. Frustrating. It is. Just saying. Well, mm-hmm. I covered Dorothea Lynn Dix. Okay, let's see what she's which, got. If she was today, would have the best one name ever of Dottie Dix. Dottie Dix. Dottie Dix does the Civil War. I mean, <laughs> come on, how good was that be? Dottie Dix. So I got most of my information mm. for Dottie Dix from Smithsonian, Smithsonian mm-hmm. in Wikipedia. And biography.com. Say where I got mine from. Well, are usually you're the one who prompts I'm usually me. on top of that. I didn't even write it down. Dorothea Lynn Dix was born April 4th, which is one of my best friend's birthdays. Okay. 1802 in Hamden, Maine. Mm-hmm. She does come to Boston, though. Okay, good. She was the eldest of three children born to Joseph Dix and Mary Bigelow. Oh. Bigelow Building. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Her father was a religious fanatic and a raging alcoholic. Well, hand in hand. Raging alcoholic. (laughs) Mom, quote unquote, suffered from poor health and was unable to care for her family. Mm. She was crazy. Yeah. Uh, Some reports say mom was also an alcoholic and possibly suffered from mental illness. Uh This will come into play. Dad was also abusive. Mom was absent, mm-hmm. so Dorothea was in charge of taking care of her younger brothers. Her, she had two younger brothers. At the age of 12, Dorothea and her brothers left their abusive home to live with their wealthy grandmother, Dorothea Lynn, wife of Elijah Dix. Hmm. So some reports say that they were given over. Some reports say she ran away. Mm-hmm. Either way, she and the brothers left okay. that horrible house. And the father would like... He was really into making her write scripture, and he, they were Unitarians, so he was really, like, mm. bizarro, and he would make her do things. She just hated it. Okay. So, eventually, she leaves the wealthy grandmother, and she moves in with her aunt in Worcester. And what cracked me up is when I was watching these... So, I was trying to get information on her, and I Google YouTube and put on Dorothea Dix, and it was, like, everybody's thesis paper on Dorothea Dix mm-hmm. writing about her. So, they were writing oh, how she murdering helped with... Woodchester oh. State, and she also helped with Lowell, also known as Lowell. <laughs> I was like, Lowell? I, I get Worcester. Worcester spelled bizarre, and they spelled it wrong, too. Oh. They spelled it Warchester. Oh, God. Not there's no Worc- H. There's no H, but no. there was an H in it. And Lowell. How do you get Lowell out of L-O? Lowell. Low. L-O-W. Lowell. Low. Yeah. Listen, if you're not from the area, don't even attempt to try. Just say Massachusetts. Because we're just going to make fun of you. Yeah. Okay, so when she was in Worcester, mm-hmm. she thrived. Guess what she did at the age of 14, Laura? Oh, she must have been some sort of big job. Like she started teaching. Oh, good. Just yeah. like your friend Clara. No, well, oh, she was 15. I just Clara shut my book. Big old 15. Yes, I have to get my place again because I just oh, shut my, my book by accident. I got so excited about her teaching. Okay, so she teached. She taught. She teached. <laughs> she She's a wicked teacher. She teached me too. I'm hot for teacher. So at age 14, nobody was hot for Dorothea Dix. No. Nice lady. Not a looker. No, not a looker. Um, she developed her own curriculum. Oh. In which she emphasized ethical living and natural sciences. Oh, good. She was something. Yeah. 
After a few years, she traveled back to Boston, where she founded the Dix Mansion School. Oh. And it was a mansion. Friggin' beautiful. Wow. It was a school for well-bred young ladies, well-to-do girls. Mm. And she also opened next to it, like, or I don't know if it was next to it, but she also opened a charity school. Just like Clara. Yeah. She's a copycatter. Well. She opened a charity school um, in her grandmother's barn for neglected and poor children who couldn't attend. So she let them attend for free. That's nice. After a while, she was suffering poor health. They also think she was suffering from the same depressions mm. and illnesses her mother had. Mm. So she called, She had to close both schools. From 1824 to 1830, she wrote mainly devotional books and stories for children. Okay. She wrote titillating books like Conversation on Common Things, which is basically Ooh. our podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the Garland of Flora. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who doesn't write a book on Flora? The Garland of. Really? Yep. Okay. Private Hours. That could be a dirty, mm. dotty dicks mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Private Hours. And Alice and Ruth. Prisons in Prison Discipline. What she knew about prisons at the time, I don't know. No. Mm. So she started to work as a governess for William Ellery Channing family, who was a very wealthy Boston family. Okay. She traveled with them to St. Croix, where is the first place she witnesses slavery firsthand. First okay. encounter with that kind of lifestyle. She's not too happy about it. Mm-hmm. She's also traveling through Europe where she's introduced to the reform movement in England. Mm-hmm. She meets people who believe in the reform of the care for the mentally ill known as the lunacy reform. That's a lovely one. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least people cared because when you... So when I started watching YouTube with all these things, mm-hmm. they start getting in on mental health treatment at the time. Uh-huh. Horrific. Yes. Naked in a room mm-hmm. with 20 other people, all mentally ill, mm-hmm. strapped to beds, living in their own field. I mean, the way the mentally ill were treated mm-hmm. was horrific. Mm-hmm. Like, putting contraptions. They, they basically wanted you to be quiet and still. Yeah. And if you're mentally ill, the last thing you're going to be is it's quiet and still. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the group was making investigations into the madhouses and asylums in England. Madhouses. Oh. As my mother, this is a madhouse. Oh my god, you kids! It's like a madhouse. Always a madhouse. Yep. So she comes back to Boston in 1840. In 1841, she is the good religious Christian. She starts begin uh, to teach Sunday school at the East Cambridge Jail for Women, and she's horrified at the treatment that she's Mm. seeing in Mm -hmm. the East Cambridge Jail for Women, Mm -hmm. especially for those with mental illness. Mm -hmm. The mentally ill are kept in the basement. There's no heat. their cells were, quote, unquote, were dark and bare, and the air was stagnant and foul. Oh. So, like I said, they're beaten, they're kept naked, they're chained to walls, they're, they're just, it was horrific. Yeah. And there's no medical needs met. They don't believe, like, you know, everybody's faking. Even today right. in jail, everybody they think everybody's yeah. faking. So she immediately went to court to secure heat for the prisoners. It's important to know that while in Europe, Dorothea grandmother passed away, leaving her a shitload of money nice. and a huge estate. So she's able to have money and power mm-hmm. because her grandmother passes away and leaves her all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So at the East at East Cambridge, she also notices that the mentally ill are being locked up with the violently deranged criminals. So there's Ugh. no separation of right. church and state here. These um, <laughs> mentally ill are kept with. You know, murderers, right. thieves, and rapists. Right. So as you can imagine, what's going on to these... I mean, people are being raped, people are being abused. So what she um, what she found is that towns would contract to private individuals to care for mentally ill people who couldn't care for themselves. So, you, you know, the East Cambridge would 
contract to Lara and be like, okay, you're going to take care of these mentally ill. So you're taking the money, but you don't get a lot of money. So it's underfunded and it's not regulated. So it has widespread abuse because you can do whatever the hell you want and you get money. Right, you just have it. to house this person. You just have to take, keep them someplace off, right. off the streets. So she starts traveling across Massachusetts and she starts going to all the jails and prisoners and she's documenting the conditions and treatments of the prisoners of the mentally ill. She's documenting physical abuse, sexual abuse, disgusting living conditions, and inhumane treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I mean, they're, the pictures of these poor people, like there's a box. They just would put their head in a box. I, One guy is... Because if you weren't, I'm going to use this word loosely, crazy enough... Right. Then your head isn't stuck in a box. Right. Like, how is that? They had one guy tied solid. to a bed for nine days oh trying to beat him into submission. Because that's not going to help. And, I'm sorry. He would be chained to the wall. And then at night, they'd chain him to a bed. And she was like, how long has he been here? They're like, oh, but nine days. That's the longest we've kept somebody was nine days. Oh, my God. Uh, so she writes a fiery report called <laughs> the memorial to the state legislation, legislature of Massachusetts. She writes of prisoners in cages, stalls, and pens, and quote, chained, naked, beaten with rods, and lashed into obedience. So she's pissed that this is even happening. And I talked about the guy with the nine days on the bed. Mm -hmm. So her paper and lobbying lead to a bill to expand the state mental hospital in Worcester, also (laughs) known as Worcester. The bill increased the budget to the hospital. So now Dorothy is, she's stoked. She's traveling up and down the East Coast, visiting jails, prisons, and almhouses, documenting the conditions and the treatment of the mentally ill. She helps found the first public mental hospital in Pennsylvania. Oh. In 1856, North Carolina opened the Dix Hill Asylum, named in honor of her father. Mm-hmm. And in 1956, 100 years later, it's renamed the Dorothea Dix Hospital in her honor. Oh. In 1848, Dorothea starts lobbying on the federal level. She's proposing a bill... For the benefit of the indigent, in, indigenous, no, oh. indigent, indigent, the poor, mm-hmm. not the local, the yeah. poor, indigent, <laughs> insane. It would set aside twelve million two hundred and twenty-five thousand acres of federal land, wow. ten thousand acres, nope, ten million acres of it for the mentally ill, and the remainder for blind, deaf, and dumb. Like if you go to Peabody, they still have a school for the blind, deaf, and dumb, mm-hmm. and it kills me that they still call it the dumb. Like, just do they still call it that? I don't. I, I thought I saw it on the sign. I could be mistaken. Maybe wow. that's changed. Because in Revere, there used to be the League for the Retarded till 2010 wow. before they finally took that name down. I was like, the League for the Retarded? We can't call that something better. Right. There's got to be another yep. way to say okay. that. So the bill passed both houses of Congress, but in 1854, dear old President Franklin Pierce vetoed it. Wanted nothing to do with it. Okay. Saying that social welfare fell to the states. Um... And he was funding other things that were a complete disaster. She is devastated because she dedicated years of trying Mm -hmm. to get this bill. She's devastated. And she leaves and she goes to Europe. And while in Europe, she starts continuing reform. And she's going to Russia. She goes to Italy. She goes to England, Scotland, Ireland. Excuse me. She's going all around Mm -hmm. trying to fix this. She even goes to Nova Scotia. And this is like a little side story. While she's in Nova Scotia, she's on this island. And there's a shipwreck while she's on the island. Mm She assists in helping them with the shipwreck. When she makes it back to Boston, she sends that island all this life-saving equipment. The day after it gets there, there's another shipwreck on that island and 183 people are saved because of her life-saving events. Uh, She even meets with Pope Pius IX, because I really don't know what that is. The ninth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Put Pius the ninth. You're good, Laura, because I never knew. Well, X is ten, and in one before it. I never remember. So apparently it's the ninth. Smarty pants over there. I don't know a lot of them, but I do know. You know my ex. Um, and he thanked her for calling his attention to the problem. What actually he does is um, because the government wanted nothing to do with it, Catholic charities started taking up this okay. cause. That's why, I mean, Catholics have a bad name, but they did start a lot of education. They start a lot of hospitals mm-hmm. because the states wouldn't step in. So Dorothy returns to the yes, the US, the yes, yes, also known as the U.S. in 1856, just in time for the Civil War. Of course. On April 19th, 1861, mm-hmm. the infamous mass regiment on its way to Baltimore is attacked. You know, the one your friend Clara was at? Clara. Yep. Kind of helped Fucking them out. Clara. Well, Dorothy had jumped on the next train, FYI. Okay. Okay. She mm-hmm. jumps on the next train and she help, goes down to Baltimore to help. Well, I mean, Clara was like, already well, there, so I'm just... seeing that apparently it's all under control. Because <laughs> Clara already had it Because Clara already control. had it yeah. together. All right. This, I mean, really? Mm-hmm. Um... She sees that in Baltimore, the hospitals are already providing care, and she went on to D.C., where she and her, with her, she's offering her services. Mm-hmm. On June 10th, 1861, even though she had absolutely no medical training, mm-hmm. she is um, appointed the superintendent of army nurses by the Union Army, because yeah. she's also somebody who said, listen, you have all these women, let them be, help out, because right. they didn't want nurses, they didn't want females. Mm-hmm. She quickly acquired medical supplies and set up strict nursing guidelines and for her volunteers. Mm-hmm. The volunteers were to be 30 to 35 years old. Oh, so out of like the, you want them yes. to Yes, in plain looking. You had to be very plain looking. Well, you don't want to tempt any of those soldiers with their legs <sighs> rotting off. You don't want that nightingale syndrome. Mm-mm. You were required to wear an unhooped black or brown dress with no jewelry or makeup. Now, you remember, the, you look gone yeah. with the wind. They yeah. had those big fucking hoops. No hoops. I don't know how you're going to get around a hospital tent with a hoop <laughs> that size anyway. Get that hoop out of there. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, your skirt's in my face. I can't see. I can't breathe. Um, she often fired volunteer nurses. She hadn't personally trained herself oh. or hired. She's got a little power. She's, she's a little power hungry, I do too. believe they called her Dragon Lady Dorothea Dix or mm-hmm. the Petticoat Pirate. Um... <laughs> She was often at odds with doctors and surgeons who didn't want women in hospitals. Mm. Now, there's a show, I think it was on PBS, called Mercy. I didn't watch it. Uh But I think the opening scene is Dorothea Dix berating like another nurse. I mean, she didn't have a nice um, reputation. Mm. But she got it done. Uh So on October 1963, the War Department introduced Order Number 351. Oh, I'm sorry. So I missed the facts. So, no, she hired, she fired people she didn't train. Mm-hmm. And she's often at odds with doctors and surgeons because they didn't want women in hospitals. Right. They didn't believe women belong there, mm-hmm. which is now predominantly run by women. Right. On October 63, 1863, 1963, 1963, she'd be burning her bra in 1963. <laughs> so this is 1863. The War Department introduced order num- number 351, which granted Dix the power to app- uh, appoint female nurses. As superintendent, Dix implemented the Federal Army Nursing Program that eventually had over 3,000 women serving. Her influence was being eclipsed by prominent women like Dr. Mary Edwards and that bitch, Clara Barton. Mm -hmm. So in August of 1865, Dottie Dix can't take it. She's being overshadowed by Barton. (laughs) So she retired. She's like... She can keep her and her little stupid Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So, but because she um, she cared for Union and Confederate both, she is fondly remembered in the South. Mm-hmm. Sometimes her nurses provided the only care a Confederate soldier might get. Georgina Wil- Wolseley, a Dick's nurse, said, The surgeon in charge of our camp, dot, 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 looked after all their wounds, which were often in the most shocking state, particularly among the rebels. Mm. Rebels! John <laughs> After the war, she was awarded two national flags. She ultimately founded 32 hospitals and influenced the creation of two in Japan. After the war, she returns to her crusade for the mentally ill and she helped review asylums and prisons in, um, yeah, review them. Asylums and prisons (laughs) in the South to make sure they weren't abusive. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. In 1870, she contracts malaria. Boop, 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 which if you look at our getting buggy with it episode, Mm -hmm. you'll know all about malaria. Mm -hmm. And she could no longer continue her aggressive traveling. Uh, She eventually retires and lives in a hospital that she had founded in Trenton, New Jersey. There was a special suite for her that she could live in until her death, which she lives in until July 17th, 1887, when she dies. She lived there for 17 years? Yep. Yep. Oh, and she never married. She probably could have done something else. Well, I mean, she did a lot of traveling. It was only malaria. She might have been just tired. Yeah. So she is buried in Mount Auburn Cemetery in oh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Wow. And again, she never got jiggy with it. She never got married. She I was, feel like we should go and visit that. I think we should too. We take a picture I didn't of it. Know she we'll make T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Dorothy was Clara. Nobody cares because Clara was bitch. So. I think like I feel like Clara was probably like pretty and. You yeah. know, offered a hand, so all the guys loved her, and you know, Dorothea Darty Dix would be described as a somber woman. You ever hear them describe somebody she as a somber it. woman? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had those stupid little side braids that they all had in 1860, yeah, that's awful. and she had a little bit of jowls. I mean, she's a little older. I mean, what did you say? Clara's like 1820, Dorothea's a little older because yeah. she's like 1802. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't very fashionable. I yeah. feel like, yeah, I feel like Clara was just, eh. you know, yeah. Yeah, 1821. She was so she's a little younger, probably a little more with it, a little more fashionable. Mm-hmm. Dorothy was very somber writing yeah. her books. You yeah. know, the garland of Flora was we, very important. Yeah, I just feel like Clara was more popular, probably. Maybe. Yeah. And Dorothy was... I mean, they're both Boston girls. Both of them... I mean, she I showed hate. up before Dorothy got down there. I could see how she'd be a little peeved. Yeah. So those are our founders of nursing, mm-hmm. which were never nurses. Neither were nurses. <laughs> which is shocking to me still. <laughs> I was like... Uh, did you know Clara Barton's not a nurse? She's like, really? Because Dorothea Dix wasn't a nurse. <laughs> Never knew. Yeah, she was not even a nursing. Um, so we did get some emails. Yes. Um, and we, they gave us some great ideas. Awesome ideas. Yes. Uh, so one did kind of comment about how we kind of brushed over cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to just do a little footnote mm-hmm. that when we brush over things like that, it's usually because we're talking about something else and to get into a disease to the extent it deserves, right. we can't always do at that time. Yeah. And I understand if you have a loved one mm-hmm. or a family member who has that, it sounds very insensitive when we brush over it the way we do. Um, we will devote an episode, an episode. specifically mm-hmm. to cystic fibrosis, yeah. uh, but it's a very complicated disease and... The only most people know it as it manifests in the lungs, which is why we called it, you know, it's a lung disease. And I, it's more than a lung disease. Yes. So just know if we brush something over, it's not because we don't care. It's because we don't have the time to discuss it to the length that deserves yes. to be discussed. So 
That being said, mm-hmm. but the ideas were awesome. The ideas were awesome. We mm-hmm. got some great ideas. We got some great feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, we will read that email when we talk about sister fibrosis, and you can see where she was coming. Yeah, from, yeah. You know. Um, so I've, I've got pages and pages of stuff. I'm still take more ideas if yes, you have them. Please. And we, st- I love, 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 love hearing the emails. So mm-hmm. please send them in because yes. I enjoy them. Tell us what you think about Dottie Dix does the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Well, Mrs. Barton. In her I sassy mean, ways. Who do you think you'd probably like better? Yeah. No. Probably I don't Clara. Know. But I mean, whatever. whatever. Who do you think did more? I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. I mean, Dorothy, mentally ill. Nobody else seemed to care. Just saying. I'm only mean first response. Well, her and her stupid little Red Cross. Paramedics. Little stupid Red Cross. I mean, just that's saying. why ambulances come to your house to this day. Yeah, but well, whatever. I mean, I mean, no big deal. Denver State. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mentally ill still is underappreciated today. It's Nobody true. takes Very care of true. that. Okay, so that is going to be our kind of Veterans Day episode because, kind of. um, yeah. well, they were veterans. I mean, they were working on the battlefield. They were in the battles. Solo. They were in the battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it, Clara was on the battlefield. Well, no, solo, right? I mean, Dorothea was there. She tried. <laughs> I mean, she was the superintendent of nurses mm-hmm. of the army. So she's at an office. Um, no, she was in the tents okay. berating um, all the nurses oh, yeah, she didn't right. hire. <laughs> I mean, if you listened, Laura, mm-hmm. she fired anybody mm-hmm. she didn't hire. Yep, yep, I forgot. I think she was just frustrated. She was. Um, okay, so we have some exciting Thanksgiving episodes that yeah. are loosely related to Thanksgiving, but I found them very interesting. I like mine. I love mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love mine. Yeah. Uh, so have a wonderful Veterans Day. Happy Enjoy Veterans your day, day off and make sure you go out and you thank all those lovely men wearing their hats. And women. Um, and women, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry for even forgetting that. <laughs> um, they do a lot to keep us where we are today. So mm-hmm. thank you all. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.